0: everybody and welcome to another edition of Hangout in the Holy Land, Langer and Holy Land's flagship podcast. I'm your host Gene Ross, joined as always by Josh Dooley. And Josh, you know, this uh, this game went about as we as we expected. Ohio State 49, Rutgers 10. Um, it was really a, a name your score game by Ohio State here. It was, you know, they they definitely didn't put their, their best foot forward in this game, didn't have 100% effort, 100% focus um, in this one, but nonetheless, they still won by 39 points. You can't complain all that much, but just kind of, you know, Ohio State came out, went through the motions, and, you know, just kind of out-talented Rutgers top to bottom and won this game by, by a big margin, as we we sort of expected they would.
1: Yeah, I don't know if out-talented is a term, but if it's not already, we're going to term that one. I think that's a perfect way to put it. Um, certainly not an all-timer by any means, but just sort of one of those take care of business sort of games you'd like to see ohio state be a little more sharp in their last home game they're now going to go on the road and you know presumably play against some tougher opponents but yeah a sleepwalking sort of performance and you'll have those from time to time i think that ohio state may have had a little bit of a a letdown because they assumed that wisconsin was going to be like this great significant game played under the lights with the blackouts, so on and so forth. But look, at the end of the day, you're going to have these from time to time. And if one of their worst games of the season is a 39 point victory over Rutgers, then I think you have to take that all day, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, they, they like, didn't care at all in this game. And they still averaged seven yards per play. So not a ton uh, to really pick apart here. Probably going to be, you know, one of our, one of our shorter episodes here. I just not, not a lot to talk about on Ohio state Rutgers. It seems like it's just the same game every single year, um this would probably be a very yeah like,
1: it's it's groundhog day that's a good good one
0: it really is like it's just every time these two teams roll out no matter where the game is it could be played in columbus it could be played in Piscataway, it could be played on the moon you're gonna get you're gonna get the same score and it's just you know it's it's it is what it is at this point um i think ohio state has now scored at least 49 points in in every game against Rutgers. maybe it was 47 but i know it's upwards of 45 they've scored in every game against Rutgers so far since they joined the big 10 in in, in nine appearances between the two teams but um, yeah, probably like if it weren't for a, a performance we will get to later, a, a, a program record tying performance in this game by one of the players on offense that wasn't named C.J. Stroud, um, this would probably be one of the most forgettable Ohio State games in a while. Like I guarantee within two weeks, I would not remember a, a single play from this game. It was just that kind of of afternoon, Ohio State just just came out. They they won the football game and they moved on. That's that's they did all they had to do. They didn't do anything special. Um, they, they got the points they needed and their their defense looked good. And that was that was really all it took. So we can kind of dive into, um, the stats here and there, some of the big plays and whatnot. So starting on offense here, the, the player that I, I alluded to here and, and the game, the, the guy who gets the game ball, and, and I guess both of our opinions here, I would imagine, um, is Mayan Williams, of course, who ran for a whopping 189 yards, five touchdowns, tying a school record on just 28 attempts. He averaged nine yards per carry, and this was in the absence of Travion Henderson, who sat out this game with with an injury, as as many players did, and we'll get to that later, um, but just a massive performance for Mayan Williams in this game. He looked like a man possessed. Um, pretty much every time he got the ball, he was running for six, seven yards at minimum. Uh, he had a long 70-yard run in this game, so he showed his ability to also hit the home runs. It wasn't just you know exclusive to Travion Henderson, which is kind of how it felt earlier on. But it showed, like, Mayan Williams has... Has been one of this team's most consistent players on a week to week basis so far on offense, other than Stroud, of course. Um, But I I think at this point, you know, we're going to have to have a legitimate conversation of whether or not um, Mayan Williams is this team's true starting running back and the guy who should be getting the bulk of the carries. Because, no, you know, no disrespect to Trayvon Henderson. um, I do think that Mayan Williams just kind of fits the way this offense wants to run better. I do, you know, I love Henderson's, you know, home run hitting ability. You know, we saw Mayan with a long run in this game, but I don't think that's really the strength of his game. And I do think that trayvon Henderson um is a much better pass catcher, even though they haven't thrown him a single pass this year. I am waiting to see if they do that maybe against some of the better opponents. Maybe don't want to put that on film just yet. but nonetheless, um Mayan Williams has been an incredible running back for this team throughout the start of the season through five games now. Um, and I am wondering if he has has sort of wally pipped Trayvon Henderson here in his absence and is now is now running back one here at ohio state. i'm I'm interested to see how this plays out moving forward because he has just been so, so good to start the year.
1: Yeah, Gene. I don't know if it's much of a conversation, to be completely honest with you. And I don't want to sound hyperbolic, just play the results of one game. But you mentioned it. He has been one of, if not the most consistent players on this Ohio State offense. I think you have to put him up there with C.J. Stroud based on what we saw yesterday. You know, we can talk about C.J.'s game a little bit later. But Mayan Williams week in and week out has produced. He has been the more physical back. He takes it to the opponent. He's found the end zone. He's gotten tough yards. He has done absolutely everything asked of him. And I don't think he's had a poor game yet, a poor performance. And you're right. That's not a knock on Travion Henderson. If you're taking a guy in fantasy football, you might want Travion Henderson. If you are looking at NFL projection, maybe Travion Henderson is your preferred back because he does have, you know, better speed. I I would say breakaway speed, better pass catcher, so on and so forth. But Mayan Williams, sometimes the best availability or the best ability is availability, right? And he's always there. He's always ready to go. And again, that's not a knock on Travion Henderson. He may have been held out of this game, excuse me, for precautionary reasons. But, Mayan Williams does fit this offense and he runs the ball very well behind this offensive line. I think that those two, he and that unit are, they've developed some sort of chemistry or group think. You look at the way that he cuts, you know, you look at the way that he sees holes and can, you know, reverse it, can go outside on an inside run, this, that, and the other. He's just playing very well behind this offensive line. And I think that they know what to do for him as opposed to Travion Henderson, I don't want to say that he doesn't see the game the same way, but I think that there are additional opportunities out there that he has not always taken advantage of, whether that's a cut, whether that is taking an inside run, outside, breaking tackle, something like that. Mayan Williams gets what is available and then some. He's always falling forward, and yeah, I think that, I don't know that we're going to see him taking the first snap if both he and Travion Henderson are available. But if I were coaching the team, that's what I would do. And I would mix Travion Henderson in a ton. I would probably look to get both of them 10 to 15 carries because they do have slightly different skill sets. But you just have to love what Mayan Williams is doing. You know, I, I remember the he had a run in the second half. It wasn't a particularly long run. I think it was 10 to 15 yards, but it went left. And he made a cut, and then he continued to reverse ta- uh, reverse field and turned it into like a 10, 15-yard run. He just – G. Scott Sr. on Twitter compared him to Marshawn Lynch. And Beast Mode is one of my favorite running backs of the last you know, 10, 15 years. I loved Beast Mode when he played for the Seahawks and everything. But you can see some similarities, right? It. Mayan is always bouncing off of people. Sometimes it looks like he's stumbling around drunk, but he's always in, in control. He's got great balance. And it might not be the most precise, sharpest cut in the world, but when he sees those holes and, and it's a jump cut or whatever it is, a glide cut is more or less what it what it looks like. He's just taking advantage of everything right now. And in my opinion, yes, he has proven himself to be the more consistent, dependable back. And I would like to see him be treated as such. If Ohio State chooses to go the other way, though, you can't really fault them for that. And I think it's a, a great problem for Ohio State to have.
0: Yeah, both guys are averaging over six yards per carry on the season, so you can't go wrong either way. Um, but yeah, it, it's kind of interesting to me, and I think like some of the stuff you brought up is what stood out the most to me. And you know, coming into the season... Uh, Mayan Williams was kind of pegged as, you know, your, your power back. He's going to run up the middle. He's going to break a tackle, get you three, four yards on a play that should only get you one. But that that really hasn't been the case this year. He's done a little bit of everything. Like you brought up, you know, he's had some elusive plays in the backfield. He's made guys miss. He's, you know, cut it back and found a seam and got up got up the field. He's done, like, almost everything that you'd ask your running back to do. He hasn't just been a true power back. He's shown a little bit of speed, a little bit of, you know, great field vision. So I've been really impressed with the entire game of Mayan Williams. And like you kind of uh, you said, as well henderson has just it seems like he's missed a few holes and mine williams just hasn't been doing that and that's kind of the difference in their two games so far um You look at the season stats here for both of them. Um, Coming into this game, they're pretty even on carries. Mayan Williams has has 14 additional ones now, having played an extra game. But Mayan Williams on the season, 497 yards, 8 touchdowns on 7.8 yards per carry so far. Travion Henderson, 318 yards, 6.4 yards per carry, 3 touchdowns. So you got 5 additional touchdowns for Mayan. He's averaging 1.4 additional yards per carry. Um, He's got about 180 additional yards on 14 extra carries. So a really good season so far for Mayan Williams. Obviously more reps. The two would still be pretty similar when it comes to you know, season stats if they had equal carries. But mine Williams is just playing that a little bit better. And you know when Ohio State gets into the meat of their schedule and they're playing their better opponents, I think just a little bit better from the running back position is important because I did kind of want to yeah. bring up here that like I think Ohio State's offense is, is a better running offense right now. And that's no knock on CJ Stroud in the passing offense. But the run game has just been so good that – I, I think that Ohio State is better suited on the ground right now. Is that, is that crazy to say?
1: I don't think it's crazy. I think that they are fortunate to have you know, this amazing offense, this dual threat in the truest sense offense where they can lean on C.J. Stroud in the passing game or the running game. So maybe it just comes down to opponent because – when you're playing against a team that's stronger against the you know, the rush up front, then maybe you air it out a little bit more. Whereas if you're playing against a team with a great secondary, maybe it's against Iowa, right? Iowa's known to have this great secondary. Then maybe you lean on the run game. But no, I don't think that's crazy to say at all. And you mentioned the schedule moving forward, and I, I wanted to jump in there. The tiebreaker for me is <clears throat> the way I envision a – like a cold-weather November game playing out against a team that you know, has a, a stronger defense than even a Rutgers, the tiebreaker for me is who can get the third and one. Who can get the third and two consistently? And for me, that's my Williams 10 times out of 10. Think back to last year when Ohio State did struggle in some of those short yardage situations. I think it was a, a combination of factors. I think it was the offensive line, some of the play calls, maybe even who they had in at the time, but Travion Henderson was stuffed on a number of those short play calls. Mayan Williams is going to get you that one or two yards. Can he be stopped? Yes. We saw it even a couple of times yesterday, but on second or third or fourth down, whatever it is, he found a way to get into the end zone. So that's what the tiebreaker again for me and Mayan Williams being the more dependable, consistent back against each and every opponent, not just certain ones, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and maybe it's a bit of an overreaction, at least like run game as a, as a whole-wise, um, just based on how this game played out and what Ohio State looks to do in this game. Um, but I do think that we are seeing, at, at the very least, a much better balance than we saw last season. You know, you look at, you, you think back yes. to a game like the Michigan game that Ohio State wasn't able to win. A lot of that was because they weren't able to run the football effectively. And in, in crappy cold weather, you have to be able to do that. And so, yeah, I think that's a good point. And, you know, being able to get those short yardage, especially when the weather gets tough, um, having an, a great run game is going to be important. And so having Mayan Williams and Trae Van Henderson both establish this early, is super important for this offense, even though you know, it's still going to be likely on the back of C.J. Stroud to lead this team for the most part. I think this run game is going to be super, super important. They've looked phenomenal. I think the offensive line deserves a ton of credit. They've been opening up some massive holes in the run game. I do think that they are still much better at run blocking than pass blocking, and that's not a huge knock on their pass blocking. It's not like CJ Stroud's running for his life out there. It's not like he's on his back constantly. They're letting up, you know, maybe one sack a week at this point. So pass pro has been good. I just think that it's been way more impressive in that run blocking department because of some of the holes they've been able to open up for these guys. And even when there isn't the biggest hole in the world, you know, guys like Mayan Williams and Trayvon Henderson have both been able to make more out of nothing. So I I think it's been super impressive.
1: Gene, let me ask you something, Um, and it's putting you on the spot a little bit, but based on what we've seen from both of those guys, is this, does Ohio State have the running game that you want? When you look at every team in the country, and I I don't have the the rushing stats up in front of me, I'm sure that there are teams that run for more yards, but is this the ideal situation when you have A true 1A and 1B, and you can flip those guys. Like, is is there another like rushing attack that you can think of that is unequivocally better than what Ohio State has going on right now?
0: Yeah, I I mean, it's tough to ask much more of what Ohio State's been able to do on the run game. You know, like I said, both guys averaging over, you know, over 6.4 yards per carry. So that's, that's certainly pretty good. You know, you're getting a first down every two rushes at that, at that rate. So can't complain there. Um, I do think that this, you know, we've had some running back tandems in the past at Ohio State that we've kind of, you know, it's been tough to watch at times because it just feels like one guy is is significantly better than the other. And it's just kind of forcing, they're they're forcing the the tandem. It's just like, it's not like they both guys really fully deserve to play. You know, you look back. And maybe like a J.K. Dobbins, Mike Weber situation, and and no disrespect to Mike Weber, but J.K. Dobbins was just clearly the the far superior back. A- yes, a- and while yes. we're looking at it this year, you know, Mayan Williams, we're saying you know is better, but at the at the same time, like Trayvon Henderson is no slouch. It's not like he doesn't deserve reps. He's playing fine himself as well. So it doesn't feel like Ohio State is forcing it this year to get both running backs on the field as it felt like in the past. Um, I think efficiency-wise, you can't really complain about any of the numbers there. Um, I'm just still waiting to see. You know, we haven't really seen Ohio State play against a team that is, is super stout up front on defense. And when they're in a game that's close and they need to get, like you said, that third and one on the ground, I am still waiting to see if they are able to do that because that's kind of the that area of physicality from both the offensive line and the running backs hasn't been there the past few years. I don't think we've really seen Ohio State in a position where they've needed that so far. Maybe they won't get to a position they need that so far this year if the offense keeps playing how it is, but. I still am waiting to see if they are able to pick up those tough one or two yards when they truly need it. Um, so I'm going to hold out on saying you know this rushing attack is exactly what I want it to be, but I I, I think like nine point five out of ten right now for this Ohio State rushing attack. I I can't think I like coming into the season I couldn't have asked for much more.
1: Right. So you're looking at an A as opposed to an A plus right now. You reserve the right to cha- to change that grade down the road. I think that's fair. Right. We need to see them against an Iowa, a Penn State, even a Michigan, something like that. And I don't want it to be – I think we've quantified this by saying like nothing against Travion Henderson. I still expect big things from him. He was a Heisman candidate coming into the season on like the preseason polls and everything like that. He's still a super dynamic back. We know what he's capable of. He averaged, I don't know, seven yards per carry or something last year, had all the touchdowns. I just – I think we can look at it and fairly say now that Mayan Williams is just as good. Like, I I think that's fair to say. And again, it's a really, really good problem for Ohio state to have. I think Trayvon Henderson will and can have his moments, but Mayan Williams deserves the credit he is getting right now, just based on his play, based on what he's doing. And then you also have to give it to the guys up front because they're just all clicking Uh, together and doing what they need to do.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Like it's not like like if Myan Williams came out this season and was just like an average running back, I think we'd still be out here like, yeah, Trayvon Henderson's looked really good this year. It's not like it's not like, you know, he's underperforming. I I think it's just that Myan Williams has overperformed to such a level that we are now saying that, you know, there's actually a legitimate battle for a one A and one B situation here. So I I, it's I don't want this to be like a disparaging on Trayvon Henderson because he has been very good this season. He's still, you know, he's up there among one of the best running backs in the country when he's when he's at his best. It's just, you know, he's had some trouble staying on the field with injuries, but when he's out there, uh, he's been very, very good. So no knocks there. Um, moving on to the passing game, kind of just a, a ho-hum performance here across the board for Ohio State. Um, C.J. Stroud threw for 154 yards and two touchdowns. Um, he did have one interception on a on maybe his, his most questionable throw as Ohio State's quarterback, throwing into quadruple coverage to start uh, the second half. Don't really know what he saw there. Maybe just a, a predetermined location of the football there, but nonetheless kind of just a a sleepy performance for ohio state's passing game kind of just felt like they rolled the ball out there and tried to see what they could get it wasn't i would say it wasn't a ton it wasn't 100 percent effort and focus out there especially in the the passing game and they didn't need to be with how well wyan williams was running the football so maybe they kind of just took the week off but nonetheless not not the prettiest performance by all means not bad but nothing nothing crazy i mean Ebeke, Emeka abuki here your leaders in receiving four catches 70 yards um julian fleming catching yet another touchdown pass uh four catches what? 51 yards yeah josh it's a big year i was talking to josh before the podcast big year for our guys on this ohio state football team i was i was the big mayan williams guy coming into the season josh the big julian fleming head and uh both of us looking pretty smart right now as these guys continue to show out but yeah, Not really, I guess, a ton to really talk about with this Ohio State passing game. It was, it was fine. It wasn't anything special. They kind of just ran a vanilla offense out there, handed the ball off to Mayan Williams, and that's how they got 49 points. So didn't need to do a whole lot to score, and then they didn't, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, this was not C.J. Stroud's sharpest game, but in defense of him a little bit, I mentioned this to Gene right before we were about to jump on, he targeted Marvin Harrison Jr. 10 times, had three incomplete three uh, completions and for the game finished 13 for 22. So I think that there were times where he was trying to force it to Marvin Harrison Jr specifically down in the red zone and I know that a lot of fans were saying, "Hey, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball." And they did, okay. Mike Williams had three or four short touchdowns. It's just if you've got a guy who's 6'3" 6'4", 220 on the outside and a real red zone threat, I get why you're trying to get him the ball. You know, he had the near touchdown Marvin Harrison Jr. did in the back of the end zone. I think they said he had stepped out. And then there were a couple just throwaways by C.J. Stroud down near the goal line. So I will forgive some of those numbers. I don't think you can forgive the interception. That was that was one of, if not C.J. Stroud's, worst decisions. And Gene said that. Uh, you don't see him make throws like that and even some of his poorest most off target throws it's not in the middle of three or four guys so i believe that that was stroud was predetermined where he was going to go on that play he either he loved the play going into it or just kind of got tunnel vision throw that out the window it is what it is um the rest of the guys out there did what they needed to do i think julian fleming has become a really good safety blanket um, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is certainly a red zone threat like we saw yesterday and then Emeka Buca is kind of the catch-all right now and it's funny I was watching it back and you know I was traveling during the first half. I eventually watched the rest of it but on my phone in the airport or when I you know kind of was waiting, I saw, some of the YouTube stuff, and it's a very small screen, so you're not as dialed in. And Gene, you've said before, Ameka Agbuka looks like Chris Olave out there. When you're watching it on your phone, on YouTube, Ameka Agbuka really looks like Chris Olave out there. like They're very reminiscent of each other. He's doing what he needs to do out there with the exception of catching every punt. But yeah, sort of a sleepy performance from this Ohio State passing game. And the other thing that I was thinking about, though, when I saw that you know, um, and, and might be out. JSN was certainly out at some point. I feel like this has started, or it may start to take a toll on CJ Stroud, not like his mental edge or his ability or anything like that. But from a preparation standpoint, JSN is his guy. And it seems like JSN is getting close to playing, but he, they haven't quite pulled the trigger on that yet. Maybe CJ Stroud knows when he'll be in the lineup. But then yesterday, it's like, oh, Igbuka may or may not play. That has to affect his preparation, I would think, at some point. And so I will attribute some of that to this performance, thinking, you know, gosh, I'd really like to get my guy back. Or, hey, I may not have Igbuka out there today. Like, you can't blame it on the interception or anything like that, but... I do. Is there anything to that you think, Gene, that at some point his preparation has to be affected by all these guys, even Trayvon Henderson in and out of the lineup?
0: Yeah, I mean, it certainly can't help him. And yeah, it is worth mentioning here that Jack Smith and Jigba once again, did not play. Um, it is. It's looking more and more like they, they are going to do kind of what we alluded to, where they hold him out until after the bye. Unless he does play next week on the road against Michigan State, I would be kind of surprised if he does at this point. But we shall see. But yeah, you know, all these guys, you know, missing guys, guys in and out of the lineup, guys game time decisions. It, it certainly doesn't help you from a game planning standpoint. I'm sure that doesn't help CJ Stroud, and he's done more than okay without his top guy this this whole season. So, it's certainly not a, a knock on him. But yeah, I mean, it's not ideal to have all these guys missing. Week in a week out, you know, moving guys in and out. You know, I kind of thought this is going to be another, you know, game where a guy like Xavier Johnson is going to have to step up if Emeka Buka is out, but he did wind up playing. So, you know, just just a weird, weird season from an injury standpoint from Ohio State. We're going to get to that a little bit later, I think. But um, other than that. Um, the only other thing I wanted to talk about offensively, I had two other things I wanted to actually mention quickly here on offense. Uh, one good, one bad. So I'll start with the bad, um, Josh. I don't know if you. I know you like watched back the first half after after the fact, but there was a time here, I believe it was in the first half still, um, where Ohio State ran. Uh, it was about thirty minutes of game time inside the five uh and it yeah, was Yeah, that
1: was shortly was, before halftime.
0: It was miserable. I don't know what was going on there, but it was like Ryan Day was saying, "Okay, what is the worst play we could score on against Rutgers?" and just going as deep into the playbook as possible to find the worst play he could find to see if they could score on it as like his own mini challenge. Just awful. Yeah, I mean, they did wind up scoring here, but it was like it was 30 minutes of game time. Ohio State ran like seven consecutive plays inside Rutgers five before they finally scored. Just a very gross sequence. And it was I don't really none of the rest of the game was impacted by it. It was just a very strange thing. And like it was it was not helped out any by like timeouts and commercials and and injuries and whatnot. But um, not, not the best sequence for Ohio state this season and a very frustrating one at the time. And obviously, like I said, didn't want up mattering, uh, but just a, a weird sequence of events in that exact, like, like inside the red zone there.
1: Two quick things. First and foremost, I agree with you. That was ugly football, ugly execution, you name it. However, the thing that I did like during that sequence is CJ Stroud, how to roll out Didn't quite make it to the end zone is what it is. And C.J. Stroud had a quarterback sneak on which he was stuffed. So the result of both of those plays, nothing great, nothing to hang your hat on. But I like the fact that C.J. Stroud was willing to roll out. You know, I don't know if that was designed or not. I assume that it was. It certainly looked like it and willing to sneak. We don't see that a lot from him. We've seen it on occasion more so this year, but. Even if it's not effective, it gives the opponent or future opponents something else to think about. And we know he can run. We've talked about this before, specifically on something like a play action or a rollout. So, yes, that sequence, awful, burn the tape on that. But I I like that they at least got a little bit more creative with the play calling as it pertains to C.J. Stroud. And at least reminded guys or, or, or opponents, hey— he might be a threat, so I liked that part.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't really know if you're going to be able to fool anyone at this point with C.J. Stroud. I think that at this point, he's. We know he's not a runner. He can do it, but we know he's. He's really not going to do it. But yeah, I, I do like. I guess that is a good point. You know, the, at least the sentiment of, of creating the threat that C.J. Stroud could run it, especially around the goal line, is is worthwhile. It was just not not the prettiest thing to watch. And yeah, definitely burn that tape and never do that again. Um, the positive I had to take away from the offense, and it's more of a special teams thing, but shout out to Jesse Murco on his uh, his fake punt. Uh Jesse. obviously obviously not a called play. He just kind of lined up, rolled out to punt, and then looked forward and saw there was zero Rutgers players on the entire right side of the field. And then he took off for a twenty two yard gain on fourth down. So Um, pretty cool play, you know, shout out to him for recognizing what was in front of him and and taking that and getting Ohio state another first down. Um, and, and I think that's kind of the, you know, one of the benefits of that rugby style punt when you roll out to the side to do it is that if, you know, if you have a numbers advantage on one side of the field, you could pick up an easy first down on a fourth and short and he, you know, he wound up getting 20 yards there and then he took a big hit on the sideline, had his team come to his, come to his aid there. But yeah, it was, it was a, it was a cool play to watch. So shout out to uh, Jesse Murko for averaging the most yards per carry on the team uh, on Saturday.
1: Yeah, that call to look, I I know it wasn't specifically called. It's probably always an option for Jesse Mirko when he's punting the ball, but I can't blame him either. I don't think he was looking for glory. I don't think he was trying to score a touchdown. I certainly don't think that he was trying to rub it in um, Rutgers' face, but you know, he sees it, he runs out, and it's like, oh, Rutgers forgot how to special team. This is on them. And he, and, he, and he tucked it and he ran with it. If if the other team forgets how to play football, then I don't care who you are or what position you play. You take advantage of it. And he you know, ran out of bounds. It's not like he was looking to extend it. So I, I don't have a problem with it. And if anything, similar to the C.J. Stroud rollout or the sneak – it, you know, it gives opponents something else to think about.
0: Yeah, I, I clearly wasn't Ohio State designing a, a fake punt up like thirty points, but it was it was definitely cool to see him, you know, recognize that and, and take what was given to him. So shout out to him. I, I thought yeah, that was that was a good play. And I think that's you know, overall the offense was it is what it is. They ran the football well. She just dropped and that was best performance. Everyone just kind of showed up to the game and, and and did their jobs and nothing more. Um so that was that. And that, that got you forty nine points still. So not, certainly can't complain about that. Switching over to the defensive side of the ball, Ohio State, once again, uh, very good on that side of the ball. You know, it was not exactly, Rutgers isn't exactly the highest flying offense in the world, but you look at the, you know, the final stats here, Um, starting quarterback Evan Simon for Rutgers, 74 total passing yards, Um, pretty good there. Um, Rutgers rushed the ball for only 107 yards on 36 carries, so exactly three yards per attempt. Um, Just a good day for Ohio State's defense. You know, the the run game looked really good, and I was kind of talking to Josh before the podcast how... Even though uh, Rutgers isn't, you know, an offense that scares you in any meaningful way, they did run a lot of stuff, especially early on with a lot of, you know, quarterback misdirections, some QB draws, some option plays, um, stuff to the boundary that would have given Ohio State fits last year, and Ohio State did a really good job containing it. The linebackers both... Uh, Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg did a great job of setting the edge and, and keeping guys from picking up big gains when they, they ran towards the sideline. Um, and I thought overall it was a really another really good performance for Ohio State's defense. The the secondary didn't really get a chance to get tested with how much Rutgers was running the ball and kind of scrambling around the pocket almost immediately after plays were started. But I thought the front seven once again played really well. Uh, only the one sack in the game, but they had a ton of pressure in this one. And there were a lot of, like I said, QB runs that doesn't really give you an option for, for sacks and whatnot. So Overall, I thought it was a good performance. Uh, Zach Harrison came up with a forced fumble in this game. Uh, Steel Chambers got a, a pick uh, on a tipped ball off the line, so Ohio State forced another pair of turnovers. Um, and overall, just another good step in the right direction for this Jim Knowles defense. Another
1: game where Ohio State defenders executed the game plan, executed their assignments, and you know, similar to some of the other games, looked sort of boring, but... They did what they needed to do, and they really imposed their will. You mentioned the lack of sacks. Ohio State is tied for 98th in the country with just nine sacks, eight or nine sacks. I know they're just inside the top 100, but yesterday, a ton of pressures. If you really broke it down, probably upwards of 10 or 12 where they really affected Evan Simon in the pocket. So they haven't quite gotten there with the consistency that we saw certainly from Jim Knowles' defense even last year. You know, I think Oklahoma State led the country. We haven't seen that this year, but teams are trying to get it out quickly. And if anything, I think that they're affecting the other team's ability to pass. Now, Graham Mertz and Evan Simon don't need help affecting their own ability to throw the ball, but Ohio State did do pretty well there. When it comes to the run game, you're right. Rutgers tried some things. That previously may have tripped this Ohio State unit up, especially with whether it's Wildcat, misdirection, you know, even a play action trying to get outside with Evan Simon, something like that. We've seen those broken off for big chunk yardage plays against this Ohio State defense in the past couple of years. We haven't seen that. So it's hard to say that this guy or this guy or that guy up front is really the star when I think as a Collective unit that front six that front seven is playing really well together. Similar to how Mayan Williams and the offensive line really kind of had this group think yesterday. I think the entire defense has a really high level of group think right now, and that's a, a credit to Jim Knowles, who is a great teacher and disciplinarian and things like that. So they all look great. Um, the linebackers specifically, Tommy Eichenberg has looked great. And I think he's gotten most of the credit so far, but still chambers has played really well. He's just sort of been in the shadow until yesterday. He played really well, you know, um, his ability to get to the ball, pursue the ball, his closing speed, I think is better than that of Tommy Eichenberg. And so you know, when teams are trying to get outside, you'll see that a bit more often from him. The interception was great. That was another Zach Harrison play, too. Zach Harrison played his best overall game of the year. Not only did he have the forced fumble that should have been a sack, but he also had the uh, the tipped pass on that interception. So great things from him. Um, Ohio State has to be tested, though. That's... I what we still don't know. I I have the utmost confidence in their running defense. I think that they will remain really sound and solid up front. But I asked you this before we jumped on Gene, like, do we have a clue what the secondary is capable of? I certainly don't because the same four or five guys have never played together. You've got cornerbacks in and out of the lineup. You have safeties in and out of the lineup. So I do still have a level of concern with the past defense because, you know, look forward a little bit. We'll preview it more later. But Michigan State is a team that they can throw the ball. I know their record is junk. I know that they have big-time buyer's remorse on paying their head coach a billion dollars. But they've got three high-level, really skilled wide receivers and an experienced quarterback who can get them the ball. So um, can Ohio State put up a 100? Maybe. But that Michigan State passing offense, I think, will be the first real test. And I don't know how Ohio State is going to perform on that test
0: yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna touch on the cornerbacks here in a second i will answer your question i just want to get back to your uh point about the linebackers yeah this was probably steel chambers best overall game as a linebacker so far at ohio state um finished the game with the top uh, top of the team 11 total tackles eight solo tackles including two for a loss and the pick and a quarterback hit so just a great game from him across the board and like you said, you know his closing speed has been really impressive and it makes sense as a former running back that he'd be able to you know beat some of these guys to the boundary and make plays on the sidelines i that was what impressed me the most you know There were a couple of plays where he was one-on-one, you know, kind of on on the sideline with with a guy, and he was able to take him down, made some really nice tackles. He's been a very sure tackler, you know, since becoming a linebacker at Ohio State, but he just really had it all on display in this one. You know, Tommy Eikenberg in this game right behind him, another nine total tackles. So those two guys have really done a great job this year. And and as a group, you know, like you said, there isn't really... I mean, Tommy Eikenberg has been the standout so far, but there aren't really a ton of guys that are making headlines as kind of individual performances. This just has been... A defense that has performed well—you know, everyone's playing their assignments and everyone's working together to put together a good defense. You know, Ohio State only had the one sack, and that was on a cornerback blitz by uh, Ryan Turner. Uh, But they did have six tackles for loss in this game. They had a a trio of quarterback hits. They had the forced fumble, so they were making some plays elsewhere, even if they weren't getting the sacks. And it was just good to see, especially from that front seven. But yeah, like you're talking about here in the secondary, that still does remain a question for this Ohio State defense. Not only have they not been tested, but like you said, the same guys aren't even out there every week. We've seen Denzel. Burke in and out of the lineup with injuries. Cam Brown has missed the last two weeks. You know, you've seen Jair Brown and J.K. Johnson kind of mix and match with those two guys and whoever else is out there. Um, Ryan Turner got a little bit of of snaps yesterday. So you're seeing more and more faces out there, but none of them are really getting reps together, learning each other. I have very significant worries about Denzel Burke at this point. He had a very, very bad play, I say, where he let up a thirty-yard pass on what probably should have been an interception because the ball was up there for a year and he just jumped and turned the complete wrong way. I don't really know what has happened to him. It's like everything that he was doing last year that was good. You know, he was he was he was in the right places. He was making plays. He was you know making the right jumps and timing everything well. He's doing none of that this year. So I don't really know what has happened there. I know he's dealing with the hand injury, but it's not like. Gene, Matt I have to jump impact. in. A, yeah.
1: So, sorry. So I agree with ninety percent of what you're saying about Denzel Burke. The other, like, he hasn't been out of position though, for the most part. It's just like you said though. It's it's like he has lost all ability to track the ball.
0: You yeah, see he's him had he's, re- he's had a couple plays where like he's next to the the receiver, like he's either in front of him or behind him, like he's right there, yeah. and the ball's in the air for like twenty minutes, and he just kind of like. Jumps the wrong way or doesn't jump at all, or like it's just it's very weird that he's not, yeah, he's not tracking well, he's not playing the football well.
1: That's fair. I I think that that is a really good way to put it because it's not just the being in position but unaware, it is also we saw earlier in the year penalties, it's mistiming the jumps. It's you know, I I don't want to heap too much on him, but there was a play in the second half where. Rutgers had a run. It was it was a five yard run, something like that. Nothing special, nothing notable about it. But and I don't even remember who the ball carrier was. I'm going to assume it was Samuel Brown. Kind of got his legs, you know, wrapped up a little bit. And I'm not saying you go head hunting, but Denzel Burke had an opportunity to tee off on the Rutgers running back while he was sort of being propped up, and he really just kind of glided by him made a total business decision, like wanted nothing to do with it. So I don't know if that's the injury. The, and if it is, then, you know, I, I'm definitely being too too tough on him. But you're right. It's the football playing part of the, the game. It's just maybe it's all fluky. And maybe if he's in the right area, he's going to start making – All these interceptions and all these plays. You know, he did have one nice pass breakup yesterday. And it's unfortunate for a cornerback that you typically, outside of an interception, what you're going to see most often are his poor plays when he gets beat. And some guys have made really nice catches against him. You know, Sean Ryan, that was a nice grab for the touchdown. But again, Denzel Burke pretty much back to the quarterback the entire time arms up like the straw guy, like the balloon guy that we've talked about before. So I, I wanted to jump in and say that much about Denzel Burke, but 90 to 95 percent of your point remains unchanged. Like he needs to get that figured out.
0: Yeah, I think that is a fair point. He is not it's not like he's out of position. He's just not making the right play on the ball. And I think that's honestly like it's arguably more frustrating because he's there, but he's not doing the right thing to break up the pass or like just stop the play from happening. He's wind up letting up big gains. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's been interesting to watch. Like you said, we're going to, we're going to preview it this week in our, in our preview episode for next week's game, but Michigan State's passing offense, probably the best that Ohio State's faced this year. So maybe those guys will get tested a bit more. Hopefully Ohio State has some of their guys back. You know, Cam Brown's been out two weeks. I don't know how serious his injury is. Maybe they just held him out against Rutgers. Um, Denzel Burke's got the hand injury that he's kind of playing through, um, You know, like we said, J.K. Johnson, Jair Brown. We don't really know what we have in them just yet because they haven't really gone up against any real offenses. Um, We saw a little bit of Ryan Turner in this game. Didn't really see him much in coverage, but he did have that nice sack on the the corner blitz. Um, As far as the safeties are concerned, you know, those same guys are still continuing to do a great job back there. I thought Josh Proctor had another solid game. Uh, Ronnie Hickman looked good. Uh, Tanner McAllister looked good. He got a little banged up in this game. I don't think he came back in. So that's something, another injury to watch out for. Um, but we did see a little bit of Kai Stokes in this game. He wound up getting a tackle for loss. So shout out to him for getting some plays in here. We saw a little bit of Sonny Styles didn't, didn't, I don't think register a tackle here from looking through the stats, but he was in the game a little bit. So, um, I think the safety room continues to be a strong suit for this team. You know, those guys are continuing to rotate in, whether it be because of injury or whatnot, those, you know, they have probably five or six guys back there um, that they can play, uh, Cam Martinez did not play in this game. He was injured before the game, but, um, the guys that they had out there did a good job. So I think, you know, you're really happy with the front seven. Uh, we're kind of, uh, you know, we big question mark on the corners, but I think the safeties have played well and that's kind of where we're at on this defense. And maybe we'll learn a bit more about that secondary, like we said next week, but for now, as a unit, Ohio state has played well. I did want to mention, um, talking about the, the front, uh, we saw Zach Harrison in this game, line up a bit at defensive tackle, um, which is something that I am very interested in, something that I think we both talked about coming into the season that would give Ohio State a lot of versatility along that defensive line if you could put um, both Jack Sawyer and JT Tumaloa out there with Zach, Sawyer, uh, uh, Zach Harrison at defensive tackle. You know, put him next to a guy like Mike Hall, maybe make that your Rushman package with the four guys up there, and that is a really, really strong defensive line up front. So I'm interested to see if they continue to do uh, more of that experimenting with Zach Harrison, but I think that putting him at tackle is a, is a really good idea.
1: And I don't know, I I haven't checked Ohio State's football website or anything recently. He's looking more and more like a defensive tackle. Not like he's out of shape or anything like that, but Zach Harrison looks sort of big this year. And maybe it's what he always needed because he's played really well in spurts, specifically yesterday. So maybe he was never destined to be. This Von Miller edge rusher, and he's more of a do it all kind of guy who can play well against the run and get you the occasional sack and things like that. So, yes, I'm interested in that, too, how they continue to experiment and configure this defensive line. I think that JTT or um, gosh, let's bring it up now. I called him JTT. He doesn't like it jt tui malau um if you saw anything from this week he said that he prefers either jt or jt tui malau so my bad on that we're we're retiring
0: we're retiring the jtt here on hangout in the holy land unfortunately
1: And, and i'm glad i did it though because we needed to raise awareness so so i'll own that but I think we're going to have a breakout from him at some point. He has been on the precipice. He's had a number of pressures, so he'll get there. We've seen it in spurts from Jack Sawyer. So everything you're really seeing from this defensive line, you know, it, it helps contribute to the lack of rushing ability for the other teams. The sacks haven't quite been there, but I, I love everything they're doing up there. And one quick thing about the the secondary too, before I know we completely get away from them is the one saving grace or the one I think sort of ace in the hole that Ohio State still has is the safety play. Their corners have maybe not been tested, uh, you know, on a high, high level, but I think that if and when they do or they are, I think the Jim Knowles, Tim Walton, and Perry Eliana will have a game plan for that that involves the safeties. How often have we talked about Ronnie Hickman this year? Not very often, but we know what he's capable of. He can do a little bit of everything. Tanner McAllister, a coach on the field, a very experienced slot corner. We know what Josh Proctor has done in the past. Even guys like Latham Ransom has looked good at times. Cam Martinez banged up, but he has looked good on occasion. So I think that they'll have a game plan in place for the Michigan State, for the, I, I don't know, Penn State, Maryland, teams like that. So I'm glad that they can lean on that safety experience. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting that the first time, that you know, the first time Ohio State goes up against one of those teams that can really throw the ball downfield.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're still waiting for that secondary to really be tested, especially the corners. But, you know, we'll, we'll maybe find out about that more a bit next week. Um, I, I think that's more or less It. I don't really have a ton else from this game. You know, it's it's another Ohio State Rutgers game. There wasn't really any. You know, other than injuries popping up, which, you know, continues to be. Let's bring that up. Plaguing. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is at this point. We know that my my gripes with Mick Marathi, but I don't know if I could fully blame him for what's going on. At Ohio State, a lot of, you know, a lot of soft tissue injuries, a lot of, you know, stuff that's popping up in practice, which I think is more frustrating than guys getting hurt in a game because, you know, the guys get banged up in games. That happens. But when you're losing so many guys week in and week out to practice, um, it's it's not ideal and I, maybe Ohio State should look at what they're doing in practice maybe you know I, I know they're they're very focused on tackling this year and I think it showed in the games how much they've practiced their tackling but I, I you can't be losing this many guys every week so maybe you got to mix it up here in practice moving forward I just want to know
1: what it is you know I want to know what the silver bullet is what the magic bullet is I I think some of it is being practicing caution with certain guys if they're not 100% or 95% Ohio State doesn't want to put them out there especially if they're not air quotes needed maybe that was the Travion Henderson deal yesterday you know he led the team in rushing against Wisconsin we hear nothing and then when the ball is kicked off they're like hey game time decision he's out with JSN they want to give him all the time in the world to make sure that he is 100% healthy he has been warming up but yeah like it goes back to the CJ Stroud point that I brought up. And I guess you can say the same thing on defense. It's not always going to work or look great. If you throw 11 guys out there who have never played together or not played together very often and say, Hey, go be great. Go execute at a high level. Like it might come back to bite them. And I, 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 I don't think Ohio state would choose this route, you know, but at some point, the guys that you're going to have out there, you're all 22. You know, you're 22 starters. You want to have them out there playing together, especially the the wide receivers. Like, there's a lot of communication, there's a lot of patterns, and and things that go into that. And on defense in the secondary, same deal. A lot of talking, a lot of communication, a lot of moving parts. So, if it were an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman, I wouldn't be concerned at all. And I'm not saying that I'm like worried right now, but When it's skill players or it's defensive backs, it's sort of in the back of my mind. Like, yeah, I'd rather see them all out there at the same time if at all possible.
0: Yeah, there haven't been a ton of of negatives to the Ohio State football season so far, but I think that the injuries have certainly been something to keep an eye on moving forward. Like we said, there's a lot of coach speak going on. We don't know how... How many of these guys would be playing if the opponents were of of greater magnitude? Um, so I guess we'll see that maybe more. I don't even know if we'll see it against Michigan State because like we you know we kind of alluded to, they are not off to a good start this year. So who knows with that one. But as when Ohio State plays the, you know, even against Iowa, Penn State, Michigan, I, I imagine we'll see hopefully more of those guys. They also have the bye week coming up after the Michigan State game, so that will be important in getting guys healthy as well. Um, but on that, I think that's, that's really about it. Unless you had anything else from this game, Josh, I think we could kind of put a bow on Rutgers and move forward with our lives.
1: No, if anyone was expecting 90 minutes on the Rutgers game, I, I, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. I mean, we could find a way, but it would not be very entertaining. I do want to say, um, as we were recording this, that, um, that there's that NFL game going on in London and, uh, the saints just doing a 61 yard field goal off the upright with no time left. That would have tied the game. Um so that's interesting, that I guess. That's 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 fun. It does it's not what you want to see if you're a Saints fan, but um that's that's tough. Chris Olave did score his first NFL touchdown today, so that's fun.
1: Um Gene, you know what? I'm glad you brought him up too. I'll I'll say it right now. Chris Olave is the best wide receiver on the Saints. Take that for what it's worth. I know they've got another Buckeye in Michael Thomas. They've got Jarvis Landry. Ohio State is the best, most consistent receiver on that team right now.
0: Yeah, I'm certainly not going to disagree with you. I think that Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson have both been putting up uh, very good numbers, both very much in the running for offensive player of the year here early on in the NFL season. Um, who could have seen that one coming? Who would have thought those guys would be good, huh? Uh, but yeah, you know, good things from both of Ohio State's rookie wide receivers. I know a couple of those guys have been, uh, a couple of their other rookies have been doing really well. I know Jeff Okuda's had a good bounce back year. Obviously not a rookie, but had a good bounce back year for the Lions so far. Um, and of course, Buckeyes across the league just doing what they do. So you know, Ohio State playing football on Saturdays. A lot of these guys are going to play football on Sundays in the future. And you know, the the, the beat just keeps on rolling. That's gonna do it for us here. Uh, we will be back sometime ne- uh, midweek to preview the Michigan State game. Uh, be sure to check out all of our written content over at LandGrantHolyland.com. Uh Do all the do, do all the podcast stuff, like, rate, view, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, and for Josh Dooley, I am Gene Ross, and as always, go Bucks.